Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by incoming sophomore on the Princeton women's hockey team, Izzy Wonder. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Izzy, and how's everything going? Thank you for having me. Things are going well. Um, just wrapping up the end of summer, trying to enjoy the last few weeks at home, but I'm definitely excited to get going back to school and start the year up. Yeah, so talk about how your summer's been going so far and just sort of what you've been up to uh, this summer, whether it's hockey-related or not. Yeah, so my summer's gone well. Um, I've been doing a lot of training and skating, getting time in the gym, um, time on the ice with different people, different places. So it's been nice to see some old friends on the ice, which is always a highlight of every summer. Um, and then in my spare time, I've also been teaching hockey. I, I've worked since I was younger at um, just like a kid's hockey camp. So it's honestly super fun. It feels nice to give back, especially when there's younger girls there um, who kind of look up to me and just seeing older girls who are playing at a high level. It's really inspiring for them. And that's a big part of why I started playing hockey when I was young. So I've been really grateful for that opportunity this summer. Yeah. And talk about, do you think it sort of helps you and your training getting a different perspective on the game, not just playing, but sort of teaching it. And how do you think that translates on the ice when you uh, sort of start practicing and getting ready with the team again? Yeah, so it's it's honestly really helpful. Sometimes I find myself giving uh, kids advice and I think to myself, wow, this advice also applies to me. Even if it's like a young young kid, five, six years old, learning how to shoot, like sometimes going back to the basics um, helps to remind me like, when I'm shooting in the backyard or when I'm doing my footwork at a skill session, like remembering those sort of bigger picture, but often forgotten things like that's been really nice. Um, so that's been a good takeaway. Now, in regards to your training, uh, what have you been working on to get ready for the upcoming season? Obviously, you had a very good season your freshman year, but what do you sort of want to improve on the most, I guess, before heading off to college uh, in a few weeks? Um, so a big thing for me has always been, uh, my speed, like, um, as a bigger player, I've always struggled with my like quick feet and acceleration. So all summer, a lot of my training, both on and off the ice has been trying to get more powerful, more explosive, uh, and really get my first three strides, um, quicker basically. So I can win more races for pucks, be more agile on the corners. Um, and yeah, that, that's been the huge focus so far. Now, let's start off the podcast talking about the beginning of your career and sort of work all the way up to where you are today. Uh, so you're from Toronto. Uh, so talk about growing up there and how did you start playing um, hockey? Yeah, so I'm from pretty midtown Toronto. Um, I first started playing hockey because I got dragged along to to my older cousin's game. She's two years older than me. Um, and I saw them play and I was like, mom, dad, I want to, I want to do that. So they put me into some skating lessons for a while. Um, and then as soon as I picked up a stick, it was kind of just over from there. It was my favorite thing to do. I'd play mini sticks with my brothers in the basement. Um, each year, my dad and my mom would make a rink in the backyard. And that I think was really big in my early development because every day before school, after school, I'd be on there. Um, and I think those early years are really when it kind of just solidified how much fun I had. Like hockey was, it wasn't super serious. It was just like house league and select back in those days, but I really, really enjoyed it. And 
since then, like we still kept up doing the rank. We still do the rank. Um, and yeah, that, that was a huge backbone of my, uh, my early days. And growing up, who was like your favorite hockey player? Was it someone on the women's national team or was it a Toronto Maple Leafs player? I I, I might assume. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved the Maple Leafs growing up. I honestly, uh, I didn't watch too much hockey back when I was, when I was that young, but a big, a core memory for me, I would say, um, was the 2012 Olympics. I think I was in grade five and our whole elementary school was in like the auditorium and we watched the golden goal in overtime, the Marie-Philippe Poulain goal. So that was, that was huge for me. Um, and so I think since then she was probably, she was probably number one in my books and just that day specifically is really like rooted in my memory, I think. And just watching it being like, I want that to be me one day. Um, whether it's her or whether it was any of those girls on the ice or on the bench. So she she was a big part of that. Yeah, tough day for me as an American, but Poulin's done that yeah, so, many, so, many, <laughs> so many times to uh, USA now. It's sort of just expected, but, you know, we did win the last uh, world championship. So hopefully that hopefully there's a new dynasty that starts up the next well, few years. <laughs> we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Well, before college, you played for the Toronto Arrows, and then uh, you finished off your junior career playing with the Durham West Junior Lightning. Uh, so let's start off with the Arrows. How did you sort of get the opportunity to join that uh, team, and what was your experience like there? Yeah, so I, the Arrows, obviously, I grew up, I was playing boys hockey my whole life. Um, and it was kind of just a series of, I would say, positive good luck events for me that happened. Like, my parents were reaching out to some people we knew in the girls hockey world. And I had a talk with my, my old arrows coach named Dave Gwynn, who's very well-known, well-respected coach um, in the sort of GTA area. And I was honestly still pretty young then. I think that was, I was in grade eight and we had a, we had coffee with him um, and another coach Ben, and they were like, we're interested in you. This is sort of the track we want you to take. And so the conversation went well, me and my parents like trusted and appreciated what he had to say. And so I I played a couple of years in North York. I played for the midget arrows. And then I finally got to play with the big girls in junior for Dave. And that was a really, really great uh, decision. I think me and my family made, I had so many years of development, those core years, like from grade nine to grade 11. Um, and definitely without Dave, my coach, I, I wouldn't be here today and having him along the way. So. Now, what led you to transition to Durham your final year of juniors? Uh, a combination of things. I mean, that was obviously after COVID and things kind of got all thrown out the window. And Dave, that coach, ended up switching to Durham. And me and a bunch of the other girls on our team, we we loved him. He was, he was the reason we were with the Arrows. And so uh, we made the commitment to go to Durham. It was a bit more of a drive for me being from Toronto, about 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. But definitely again well worth it I had one year that was sort of COVID we didn't really play but we were practicing and then last the year before last year um I got to finish off in my gap year with them and uh it was probably my best year in, in minor hockey I would say just great coaches great girls um our team won a lot of games which makes things more fun um but I, I'm super glad that things ended up the way they did and obviously you're a captain your final year with D Durham. So uh, what type of leadership did you want to bring? And do you think that leadership that you uh, learned in your final year of minor hockey has helped your transition into college hockey, going to a big school like Princeton? 
Yeah, for sure. I think it was a really nice experience for me to be one of the oldest girls on the team and be able to take on a bit more of the mentorship role, especially we had some girls who were even three years younger than me. And I had never really been in a position like that before. Um, I mean, in boys hockey, always being the same age and then my younger years and girls being younger. So I think the main thing I wanted to do was just sort of be myself. Like I didn't want to put on a, a face or pretend to be something that I wasn't or act like a coach or any of those things. Um, because I mean, like I was fortunate enough and grateful that my teammates voted me to be captain and they did that based off who I was in previous years and just who I am. So I think that I'm happy with how the year went and just staying true to being myself, being competitive, holding people accountable, and also just trying to have fun. Cause that's what hockey is for me. And I think that along with the other leadership girls we had last year, um, it was definitely, it, it worked out well for us and helped the, the girls mesh. So I'm happy with that. Now, when you look back on your sort of minor hockey career, how do you think it helped prepare you for college hockey with Princeton? I'm assuming playing in the PWHL. I know the league name changed. Uh, I'm not sure what it is now, but <laughs> uh, playing in that league and just sort of the players you were practicing and going up against, how did that sort of help prepare you for college hockey and just sort of that transition into a big school like Princeton and playing in a tough ECAC conference? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt pretty well prepared from the level of the PW. I mean, again, it's unfortunate COVID did, even my last year was still a bit affected. We had like conferences and stuff to limit um, the travel. But for sure, my grade 11 year and then my final year, I was practicing with amazing girls, both of those years playing against amazing girls. Like, honestly, the number of girls I know who, who are all on different D1 teams whether I played with them or played against them, I think that for sure played a huge role in preparing me because, I mean, the people who you practice with are the people who you're on the ice with the most, more than anyone else who you're playing against. So I'm really, really glad that I was exposed to so many great players, whether it was forwards, defense, or goalies, because by the time you get to Princeton or really any school in women's D1, obviously the level is elevated. And there was for sure an adjustment period for me last year. Um, I mean, going from playing with girls younger than me to girls four years older than me is going to be a change. But I think that if I had been playing somewhere else, it probably would have been a lot more difficult um, versus the experience I had in the PW. May I ask you how you sort of handle the challenge of COVID? Because obviously it happened, for at least for your grade, it sort of happened at a really challenging time because some of your uh, classmates are trying to get recruited. And then you're also sort of in a, it's a big developmental year, I feel like, in regards to hockey. So how did you sort of handle that challenge? And how did you sort of like work on your game and develop your game when you weren't playing, dealing with all those restrictions, especially in Ontario, where it seemed to me to be the most restricted area throughout uh, the pandemic? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a big part of what the main frustration was for me was just like the unknown. I remember I'd be asking my parents every day, when do you think this is going to be over? When do you think the rinks are going to open? And obviously nobody had those answers. Um, so I think once I just accepted that truth and was like, nobody knows and nobody's going to know. So all I can do right now is take advantage of each day. So whether that meant shooting pucks in the garage or I was fortunate my grandparents have a really nice like home gym that I was able to go to every day for almost two years. So that was huge for me um, in staying on track fitness wise. So I kind of just tried to take it day by day. Um, and I mean, personally, I was fortunate that I already had my commitment to Princeton by then because, the, you know, I was the rule change hadn't happened yet. Um, 
So I think that alleviated a lot of the pressure that I'm sure some other girls unfortunately had, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it did cause me to take a gap year. That was a decision that I made with my family and also with my coaches at Princeton. And um, for all the bad that had that happened with COVID, I think the gap year was a great choice for me as a person just to mature and grow and also as a hockey player. So in that end, I think I'm really grateful that I had that extra year to, to prepare myself. Now, what's your best memory you have with uh, either with the junior lightning or with the arrows when you look back on it now? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think my favorite memory would probably be um, in my last year with Durham, we had, we had this one big championship weekend for playoffs. So there weren't, there weren't any series, just one, uh, round robin tournament and in the finals we were playing sort of our arch rivals Etobicoke um and we'd been sort of toe-to-toe with them all year and we we put we really pulled it out I think we beat them five nothing in the finals so that was a really really nice moment for our team um to just be rewarded for all of our hard work and to have it be such a statement win against the second best team like I don't think we could have asked for much better than that so now, uh, talk about your recruitment process with Princeton and what made you want to go there versus the schools you might have looked at. Yeah, so Princeton was was one of the first schools um, I was interested in just when I was, it was way back way back in grade nine when I, I honestly didn't even really know that going to school in the States was an option until I moved to girls hockey. Um, but just the, 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 the reputation Princeton has built for itself, honestly, not even including hockey, just as a school is what first drew me to it. Um, I've always really cared about academics and, and I've loved going to school for the most part. So um, me and my parents knew that going to a school that would give me the best education possible was, was a pretty high priority for us. Um, and I, I honestly reached out to Princeton myself. I, I sent my head coach Karen an email just saying, here's when I'm playing. I'd, I'd love to come visit. I'd love to, you know, I'd love anything. I'd love to talk to you. And um, thankfully, you know, she noticed that email we got in contact and um, they came out to see me a few times and I was fortunate enough to get an offer. And the I went and visited a bunch of schools um, in the spring, my year that I was getting recruited. And Princeton was the first school that I, that I saw. And I think just the moment I stepped on campus, I, I looked at my mom. I still remember we were standing in front of the rink and I was like, we just kind of smiled and we didn't say anything, but we sort of knew like th- this felt right. And, and I, I, and I was so fortunate. I spoke to so many great coaches and, and lots of visited lots of great schools that all have great academics and um, hockey programs. But I just think that it was sort of meant to be with Princeton, the way it worked out, that it was my first school and it was the bar was set extremely high. And I'm really glad that I was given the opportunity and that I, I'm happy I made the right choice for me. Now, talk about sort of the adjustment you had to make as a freshman once you got on campus to college hockey. Would you say it was the speed of the game or just the physicality uh, that was sort of the biggest adjustment that you had to make? Um, honestly, I would say I would say both of those things were big uh, factors. Um, like I said earlier, speed has always been something that I've been looking to improve on. So I actually think that my first like month or so of practices and time to adjust to that and just skate with other incredible girls, obviously all of the great girls who go to Princeton, that really helped me elevate my game and feel a bit more ready by the time we started playing games. Um, But for sure, the physicality piece was big. Um, I'm fortunate, like I have size as an advantage um, being as tall as I am, but 
I definitely had my fair share of falls and, you know, just cause I'm tall doesn't mean I can't get knocked over. And that's something that I was, was very much not used to when I played in junior playing with girls so much younger and, and not necessarily as strong. So, so a lot of work was spent during the year trying to make sure, you know, I'm being strong on my feet, I'm staying up and I'm keeping up with the play. So all of those things were, were a struggle, but I think by the end of the year, I sort of was able to get a better grasp on. Now talk about how you sort of balance academics and hockey at an Ivy League school. I feel like that's one aspect of being an Ivy League school student athlete that I think people don't really realize is sort of the adjustment and how you balance that because it's a lot more difficult than it is in other universities. Uh, So just talk about how you sort of learn to manage that. Yeah, so the, the fortunate thing for us was that because the Ivy League started much later in the year, like our first game wasn't until the very end of October, we really did have almost two full months of academics alone. I mean, obviously we were practicing, training, et cetera, but to be able to adjust to that, go through my first midterms, take my first exams without being like nervous and worried about, you know, my first college games, I think that was a huge um, benefit to the system that, you know, Princeton and the Ivies had laid out. So I will say that that was to me um, a, a bit more of a, not easier, but I would say easier, you know, simpler transition than the hockey. Um, but I mean, I think most people who go to an Ivy League school would agree, like there are times where things are going well and there are times where things are going not as well. And um, you kind of just have to just remember, like there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So some weeks I, I look at my calendar and I see a few tests and I see projects and I also see big games and and I just know like it's going to be OK. You know, like the hockey stuff is the best part to me. And it's really nice that the hockey's on the weekends, because once I finish my last class on Thursday, you know, that's it. I'm not thinking about school. So being able to sort of compartmentalize those two areas of my life, I think, really made me a lot more able to enjoy hockey and also to stay focused on school versus having them cross over. Now, you mentioned her before, but what's it like playing under coach Kara Mori? In my opinion, I think she's one of, if not the best uh, coach in college hockey. Uh, So what's it like playing under her and what have you sort of learned uh, from her in your first year with Princeton? Yeah, well, I definitely agree about that. I don't have enough good things that I could say about her um, as a person and as a coach. But I think I think the biggest thing I learned from her was just like at making every day count, making every practice count. Um, it's a long season. We practice four or five days a week sometimes. And it's easy both as an individual and as a team, I think, to sort of get com- like just settle to settle for what's going on. You're not like the start of the practice isn't going well. So you kind of just let the rest of the practice dwindle. But um, she was always very, very clear and adamant and and strict about turning things around. So if, if we're going to have a bad drill, that's fine. The whistle blows. We're going to stay to hard lap. And then we're going to have a better drill the next time. And if we have a bad day one day, we're not going to let that bad day bleed into the next day. And I really, really think that that's a huge thing with with the long season and also just each week being set out the way it is. Every single week is a a repeat of what the week was before. Um, It can sort of run away from you having one bad day to another bad day, et cetera. And she yeah, she's just really great. She, She knows how to encourage us. She knows the right way to sort of push each individual's buttons because everyone is different and one coaching style doesn't necessarily work for me the way it would work for someone else. So I think that was a huge part um, 
of my personal relationship with her was just how great she was at learning me and my personality on and off the ice so that she could best help me grow as a player. Uh, so you play in the ECAC, which is arguably the most competitive conference in women's college hockey. You can really make the case that seven teams in that conference have a real chance at making the tournament and winning the championship at the end of the season. Uh, so from your perspective, what's it like playing in that conference? It's just the competition that you face each weekend. Yeah, so honestly, for me, it's a bit of a dream come true. I'm a super competitive person uh, in, in all aspects of life, but obviously in hockey, it especially comes out. And I always say that I would rather lose a close game than win a blowout because I just I, I love the feeling of, you know, the adrenaline rushing. It's a close game. You don't know what's going to happen. You're just every shift is like it could be the last shift. And that's honestly how pretty much every game we played last year was in the ECAC. Um, so I think I think it's, it's great. It, it helps our team get better because each weekend we're being pushed so hard by by the teams in our conference. and. I think that that opportunity is the reason why the ECAC is such a good league and, and gets has gotten and continues to get further and further in the in the NCAA tournament each year because there's no easy games, there's no easy wins, and we're prepared when it comes to the to the bigger stage and we know what it takes to need to work hard and win. So let's talk about your freshman year. Uh, so the big thing that I think happened this year, in my opinion, was when you guys made your trip to Nashville. Um, I love the outfits that you guys pulled up in. Uh, so talk about that trip and sort of uh, what that experience is like for you playing in Nashville and against a team in Northeastern that you normally don't face as well. Yeah, so Nashville Nashville is a, a treat. I mean, anytime you get to fly somewhere to play hockey, to me is, is you know, can't be better than that. And uh, by that point in the season, you know, for me at least a, a lot of the nerves were gone by then we had we'd already played a bunch of games um i was i was adjusted the team was close so i don't think it could have come at a better time honestly um because it let us just have fun it was american thanksgiving so we had a huge team thanksgiving dinner together and so even just aside from the hockey park getting to do that was was such a cool experience i'd never been to nashville before um and then getting to play northeastern northeastern and cornell both top 10 teams, I think at the time, um, was just super fun. I know a couple of girls on both those teams. And so kind of getting to have that whole experience with them and see them around too was nice. But then what, you know, obviously once you get on the ice, there's no friendships, um, if they're on the other side of the red line. So it, it was super cool. Northeastern has, you know, Olympians, they have national team players. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that we couldn't come out with a win in that game because, I do think that our teams were pretty evenly matched regardless of the scoreline. Um, but overall, for sure, the trip was was a turning point in our season, especially getting that win against Cornell in the shootout, um, I think really turned things around and helped us go on a bit of a run in that sort of middle of the season. Now, how'd you guys come up with the cowboy outfits that you guys wore before each game? Because I would say you guys definitely had the best outfits of the whole weekend, even though you guys didn't win the guitar. But what was that? How did that come about? Who came up with the idea and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, we we do have a lot. We have a, a lot of fashionistas on our team. So honestly, every weekend is a chance to try out some new outfits. But I think as soon as the girls found out we were going to Nashville, it was just, you know, the cowboy boots were being bought. The cowboy hats were being bought. It was just a, a bit of a free for all um, because we love to dress up, period. But getting to dress up themed is is even more fun. So I think people were just going as hard as they could. And it, it turned out to be a, another little fun, fun aspect of the weekend. 
Now, overall, what would you take away from your team's performance uh, the pa- in the past season? Obviously, record-wise, it's probably not ideal going 500, but there were some positive moments. I think getting 10 goals against a ranked Quinnipiac team was really fun to watch. And then there were some other good moments as well, but it also seemed like your team sort of struggled against you know some of the higher-up teams in the ECAC like Yale and Colgate. And I feel like, for me, at least in my perspective, sort of to take that next step, you have to sort of want to beat those teams and sort of prove yourself. So overall, from your perspective, what did you take away from the season and how are you going to use what you learned uh, from your freshman year and coming into your sophomore year uh, in the few weeks or in a couple months? Yeah, I mean, honestly, this, I could probably talk about this forever, you know, like looking back at an entire season is just such a huge sample size. And like every single game really has the impact to to change your season one way or the other. Um, so I think, there's a million takeaways, but in terms of the biggest ones, I mean, obviously, as you said, you need to be able to beat ranked teams. Like that's the end of the story. Um, if you want to make it far in the ECAC playoffs, you have to beat ranked teams because at least the top four, maybe even top five teams are going to be ranked. And so even just to get to the ECAC conference tournament, um, it's something that you have to be able to do. And obviously that's something that's on our bucket list. You know, like, like you said, being 500 is being 500. I don't think any team necessarily wants to be 500 or below, but that is what it is. It's in the past. I think we all know as individuals and collectively what we want and what we want is a lot more than that. So I definitely think that our mindset is just going to be a lot more. um, I don't know if intensity is the right word, but, or, and it's not desperation. It's more just like every single game we need to make count. Um, And obviously, especially the ones against ranked teams, but, I think more importantly is just showing up each night, no nights off, because all it takes is one game to to start a skid and one game to go on a run. Like obviously beating Quinnipiac by that many goals was huge for us. And then we did go on a bit of a of a winning spree because we proved to ourselves that we can do it. So I think unfortunately at the beginning of the year, we had a bunch of losses to ranked teams. And it's hard to to feel, you know, confident going into games against other ranked teams if we haven't even beat the teams that are potentially worse than they are. So I think there's a combination of, of factors that that led to our season going the way it did. But I definitely think that it's a learning experience for the girls, all of us who are coming back, because we know how good our team is. And um, I think that we definitely have a chance to go a lot further than we did. Now, uh, individually, you had a really good season. Uh, you led all freshmen on the team in points. So talk about sort of the biggest improvement that you think you've made to your game throughout your freshman year that led to the success that you had on the ice. Yeah, so I think a big thing for for me was just confidence. Um, I think that it's hard for anyone to to necessarily be confident going into your first ever college game because it's, it's like nothing you've ever done before. So I I had nothing to compare it to. I didn't necessarily know what to expect, even though we've practiced, we played exhibition games, um, et cetera. I think just the the benefit that I had that that helped me throughout the year was was being exposed to the girls on our team who had all been there before and and getting to play with those older girls who they were in my position two, three years ago, and they know what to do. They don't seem scared. They're not scared on the ice. They're not scared to shoot. They're not scared to pass. And I think my experience getting to play with girls like that, like Sarah Fillier, obviously Maggie Connors, Annie Keel, all those older girls, like they were there for me. So, you know, like if I make the wrong play on a two on one, 
they're not mad at me. They're not, you know, like turning the other way on the bench. We're talking about it. We're talking about what we're going to do next time instead. And I think that all of those little moments where like they show their faith in me and where the coaching staff showed their faith in me, even if I'm making mistakes, whether I'm making mistakes or whether I'm scoring goals, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it. We're going to analyze video and all of that. And so I just think that that collective, you know, effort from everyone and, and also from me just trying to, to feel more um, comfortable with myself on the ice um, helped me by the end of the year feel like I was definitely like a different player than I was um, in our first game. So let's talk about next season. What are your team's goals and expectations uh, for next season? I think you guys have a really, really good team next year. You're returning a lot of key pieces. Some of those you mentioned with Sarah Fillier and Annie Keel. But I think the thing that impressed me the most about your team last season was the steps that the freshman class took. And I feel like those younger players are going to definitely be very relied upon in you guys' as sophomore year. Players like yourself, uh, Jane Keel, uh, obviously Catherine Kramsov and Emerson O'Leary were players that really showed me a lot last year in terms of their skill set, what they can do offensively and defensively as well. So how excited do you see the jumps that your class are going to make next season as individual players? And sort of what do you want your team to sort of uh, do next season in regards to goals and expectations in regards to sort of that next step that you were talking about in one of your previous answers? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I don't speak for the whole team myself, but I think everyone would agree that we want to win a national championship. That's what all 42 teams want to do. But like you said, I think we have the people who can do it. And I think, you know, a lot of things have to go right to win a championship. Um, and in every given season, things go right, things go wrong. So um, all we can do is each individually put our best foot forward and bring that into a team effort. And that's all we can hope for. Um, but in terms of my class, I think, um, I mean, I love my class. I think it was also extremely helpful that we all had each other last year to talk to. Um, you know, whether it's dinner after a game or we're sitting together on the ride home on a bus, like all of us love hockey so much and, and being friends with people who, who have the same goals, have the same aspirations as you makes things super easy because, you know, we're, we're all on the same page. We all want to win. We all want what's best for the team. And so it's really nice to be able to have serious, real hockey conversations with all of them. Um, and I'm sure they would agree, same as myself, that we all have come a long way since, since we first got to school, you know, almost a year ago. And I definitely think that all of us have the ability to, to, you know, turn it up a notch and same thing for the rest of the girls on our team, you know, like a team is 25, 26 girls. And without one single girl, our team is not the same. So everyone brings something different to the table. And we've all, all of us have been working so hard all summer so that we can help the team collectively get a bit better each year. Now you guys are going to Northern Ireland next year. Are you excited about that? Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Ireland before. I don't think any of us have. So it'll definitely be a new experience to have together. Do you guys know like what you're going to do there off the ice? Because I feel like, I don't, I don't know how that stuff gets planned down. I'm just curious about that because I've never been there before, but I'm assuming there's some fun sites to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, I don't think, at least I don't know what the details are just yet. I think things are still, you know, getting worked out. Uh, I know that there's countless people working on that for us behind the scenes, which we're grateful for. Um, but if I had to imagine, I, I, I'm hopeful that we're going to get some time to do some sightseeing and, you know, we're going all that way and it's a beautiful place from what I've heard. So I think it'll be a nice mix of getting to play really good hockey and also, you know, a once in a lifetime chance to, to go to Europe 
with your team. So we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment or ask you some non-hockey questions to get to know you a little bit more off the ice. Uh, so first one is if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Honestly, I'm just going to say Taylor Swift, even <laughs> though her musical abilities don't match my hockey, you know, character at all. But I love her a lot. And that would be a dream. Uh, that sort of answers my next question, but what music do you like to listen to? I'm assuming it's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Most people who know me are probably not shocked that I was able to squeeze this into the <laughs> hockey podcast, but she's my all-time favorite artist. I got to see her in concert a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I, I love her big Swifty. That's good. I'm a Swifty myself, so I don't know if that's embarrassing nice. for me to admit, but I really like I don't, her music no, a lot. No, no. <laughs> Everyone should be a Swifty. If they aren't, they just haven't listened to her enough. That's what I say. I would say I'm definitely in more into her older music than some of her newer stuff, but I'm trying to get into it as best I can. That's good. Listen, any, all of it's great. So whatever mm -hmm. you like, you like. Now, uh, next question is what's your most embarrassing hockey moment? Oh man. I honestly, I, I definitely have a lot to choose from just quickly, briefly running through, but I think I've had at least one time where I've taken an empty net shot and put my hands in the air before the puck has gone in. So probably one of those. <laughs> hey, at least if the puck goes in, then it doesn't matter, right? If it did, yeah. then that's pretty tough. I won't lie. Yeah, yeah, not great. <laughs> now let's ask some questions about your teammates. Uh, who's the funniest on the Princeton women's hockey team? Oh, boy. That's hard. Um I'm probably going to give it to Mia, Mia Cohen. She's, she's great. Uh, always knows how to get a laugh. She says some random stuff. She's from like the middle of nowhere, New York. So she's always got some farm phrases to say. So I think her. Now you said your team is full of fashionista. So who on the team has the best off the ice style besides yourself? Obviously I like the necklace a lot. So I know. <laughs> um, well, I definitely would not put myself close to the top of the list, but um even though she graduated i'm gonna give it to mariah keppel she she's like my fashion icon i go to her with all my fashion advice i actually just was texting her today um as i went for some jeans <laughs> so she's she knows how to dress for sure i heard that she's uh, gonna get into the fashion industry since, since she's graduated college i i'm assuming you would know more about that yeah i think she is i mean listen if she starts making clothes i would be her number one customer i i, I would trust her with my whole wardrobe so Whatever she ends up doing, I'm sure, is going to become great. Now, back to some more non-hockey questions. If you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? I feel like I know this answer, but if you want to switch it up, you can. Okay, so if it's not Taylor Swift, can I say, can I, can I make another tweak and make it someone dead or alive? Like It dead? doesn't matter. It could be like, it could be someone you know, too. Okay, I'm going to say Amelia Earhart, because... You know, ever since I was a kid, I've just been dying to know what happened to her. So that'll yeah. be my choice. <laughs> the only thing I know about her is she was in the Nighty Museum movie. Um, like, yeah, like she was. A few years ago. And that was like one of my favorite movies uh, growing up. Uh, so that's, so I guess I'll switch up. I always do the same answer every podcast when I uh, do these questions. So I'd say Ben Stiller. He seems like a funny guy, like Zoolander a yeah. lot. That's a good movie. So I'll, I'll go with him. Now, last non-hockey question is, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Hmm. The most interesting thing I've read or seen this week? Oh, well, 
La- well, I this was technically last week, but I saw the Barbie movie with my mom and it was incredible. So I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I definitely recommend going out to watch that. I have not seen Barbie. I've seen Oppenheimer and I really like oh. that movie a lot. It's very, very good. And I think uh, if you're a history nut like myself, you definitely have to go uh, see that movie. But I heard Barbie is a, kind of a sad movie. I don't, you can obviously speak more to that than I would. Yeah, no, it actually, there were some, some, some sad tears at the end, but it was, kind, it was, I would say wholesome as opposed to sad, you know, it, it ended on a good note, but um, for sure a movie to watch, I think. I think the most interesting thing that I saw was I saw this documentary on Johnny Manziel, who's like a former college football player. And I just thought it was pretty crazy just seeing how popular he was, but how he sort of did it with the lifestyle that he had in college. And I just think I just don't think you would see that anymore because of the prevalence of how social media is now. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's crazy. Like they had this story where this guy like went out and partied all night on like Thursday and then like went through practice like sweating. And then he like had one of the best games of his career. And I just feel like if like I I played hockey and I'm like, I could not do that at all. I would like be the worst player (laughs) out there. So I just think that's just nuts. And I don't even know how the coaches sort of handle that because I don't think a lot of coaches now would like that a lot. No, definitely wouldn't fly. But (laughs) Now, getting back to some hockey questions now, uh, for all the younger players listening to this episode, what advice would you give them on what it takes to be a college hockey player like yourself? Um, I That's a tough question. I think, uh, you know, there, I don't think there's a way to answer this question without being somewhat corny, but I think you really just have to want it deep down um, and sort of do whatever you can each day, which is sort of what I've I've talked about earlier, to make it happen. So obviously not every day I wake up and I'm thrilled to get to the gym or go onto the ice as much as I love hockey, you know, everyone's human, not every day you're going to want to do that. But by the end of the day, once I've done my training, once I've done whatever it was I need to do, I always go to sleep feeling happy and feeling proud of myself because even if it's a hard day and you're getting through it, you're so much better than you would have been if you had skipped that session or if you had, you know, made up an excuse. So I think a key is to just, not make excuses once because once you start making one excuse then you know you're going down a dangerous a dangerous slope um so even when it's hard i think that when it's when it's hardest and when you when you least want to do it that's when you end up gaming the most um mentally and physically so that's that's what i would say now what should be done to help grow women's hockey from your perspective uh i mean I, I think I'm really excited hearing all this news about what the new league is going to look like, hopefully in, in the coming months. I think that um, a united front for women's hockey, sort of the in the way that there has been made for basketball and soccer and other women's sports, I think is really good. Um, and I think just getting getting the word out and having people watch. I, I know I'm not a marketing major or or much into that, so I know it's a lot easier said than done, but when you can, when you're with friends or when I'm with friends who don't necessarily like hockey and there's a women's hockey game on, I'm like, here, like, why don't we watch this? And more often than not, people get interested in it. People get engaged because I just think sports are sports. It doesn't matter if, if it's girls, if it's boys, if it's women, if it's men. Um, so to me, if you're a sports fan, there's no reason why you wouldn't like women's hockey. Um, and unfortunately not everyone feels the same way, but I think the more visibility that's given to the game that hopefully this new league will bring, um, I think the better it will be because all it takes is one game to get someone going for it. So hopefully with that and with time, that'll help out. 
Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. I feel like, at least in my lifetime, women's hockey has gotten much popular than it was like 10 years ago growing up. Cause like Mm -hmm. you didn't see any women's hockey, like unless it was the Olympics on TV. And now like there's all, there's college hockey games on, uh, there was pro games on when the, that league was still separate. Um, my only thing with the pro league is, do you think they could have done it differently in regards to sort of how it all came about? Cause it seemed like everyone sort of found out at the same time and it sort of hurt a lot of players, um, that were in the PHF just because now they sort of don't have a place to play. And a lot of them were forced to retire. I'm curious sort of what you think about that as a college hockey player, because I'm assuming after you're done graduating, I know that's a few years away. You saw you want to find a place to play professionally, whether that's in Europe or in this new league. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking that just as I, as I said that answer, because I know a couple of girls who, who play in the PHF who, who had just graduated and were signed to play. And I, I definitely agree. I think it's, it's unfortunate and, and really sad for those, for those people who, you know, like you, you had your whole year planned and all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of swept, swept away from right under you. So um, I, I honestly, I don't know enough obviously about the details and the behind the scenes to, to, to say anything, you know, about what happened, but um, on the surface, it's, it's very unfortunate for them. And it's, I also do think it's unfortunate that there's, there's less opportunity um, because obviously like two leagues, there's more opportunity to play than one league. But um, I know it's easy for me to say as someone who isn't relying on that for my income and, and I'm in college now, but I do think that collectively most people would agree that that merging it was the right thing to do. And hopefully in whether it's in two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, um, we're going to look back on this and say, you know, that was what we needed to do. And um, it's unfortunate for for the players who had impacted. And honestly, I feel terrible for them, but I think that in the end, it's good for women's hockey and hopefully they'll be able to get back into the game as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it was definitely the way for women's hockey to grow was there needed to be one league because you just mm-hmm. want all the best players after they graduate college or from Europe to play in one spot because then it's easier to market and like that's the league everyone can turn to. Sort of similar to what soccer's done with um, the NWSL, I think. Like most of the mm-hmm. good players, at least from my research that I've done, play in that league. So it's easier for it to grow and people to become fans of those teams. And it's sort of hard when there's two separate leagues with you sort of dilute the talent a little bit, but it's also you don't know like what to root for, or what to watch since the, it's sort of like they both leagues sort of run separately. So I do agree with you on that, that it's good that it's mm-hmm. one league, but I do sort of wish they could have found, I guess, a better way for uh, those players to get an opportunity to play in this new league and for it to be sort of done, I guess, a little bit more. I guess at least tell them about it and sort of do it the right way versus just sort of Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Hey, we're buying this league. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of people to blame for that. I don't think it's just, it's not the player's fault. I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. people in that process that I think could have done a better job with that. But at the same time, what's done is done. And hopefully now we can just sort of move forward and find a way to make this new league successful. And I think at the end of the day, when this new pro league comes more popular than the Olympics, I think that's what women's hockey needs for it to be just as big as the NHL and the men's game. And that's just sort of my take on that. 100%. I agree. Now, before we end this interview, Izzy, do you have any shout outs you want to give to any of your teammates, family members, or friends? And who should we have on the podcast next? Uh, I don't know if I can give any shout outs because then, you know, people are going to get upset if I, if I don't shout out Princeton women's hockey, that's the entire team. (laughs) Shout out Princeton women's ice hockey. Um, I think that this year's our year and any of the girls on our, on my team who you haven't interviewed yet, they're all amazing. Can't say enough about them. So I think you got a lot to choose from, from PWIH alone. So I'd love to see them out here. 
Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely reach out and uh, see what happens. But Izzy, it was a pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself. And uh, yeah, I uh, wish you nothing but the best for next season. And hopefully I can come out and see your team play in person. I've never seen, I've, you're one of the few teams in the ECAC I've never seen play in person. So I feel like I got to do that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we can, we can get a win once when you're out there. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> See you.